0: My guest today is Olivia Schofield. Olivia runs her own speaking skills business in Berlin in Germany, from where she helps clients with presentation skills and professional communication coaching. As a keynote speaker and communication consultant, Olivia works with a bunch of big corporate clients like Gore-Tex, the Swiss pharmaceuticals company Hoffman La Roche, And American Express, to name just a few. But here's where it gets really, really interesting. Because 10 years ago, in 2011, Olivia got to the finals of the Toastmaster World Championship, and in doing so, she was the only woman finalist that year, and the first European speaker to ever reach the American finals. Today, Olivia still works with corporate training clients, but she also runs an inspirational annual two-day speaking bootcamp called Spectacular Speaking, and we're going to talk about that today and and how it works and who attends it and so on. In today's episode, how Olivia's BBC background has helped her coaching business, what Olivia did to become a Toastmasters world finalist, which kind of work she does for corporate training clients like the ones I've mentioned. Mentioned How three trainers and she cooperate to share leads and ideas and inspiration every single year in Berlin, and what exactly participants can learn at Spectacular Speaking. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Hi, welcome to the show. My name is Mark. It's my privilege every single Thursday to bring you a fresh episode of the Training Business Podcast. What is this show about? Well, if you're a trainer, if you're a facilitator, if you're a coach, if you're a consultant, if you're someone just like me, who makes a living full time from helping people just like your clients to be the very best that they can be through your programs, your workshops, your trainings, this is the show for you. So every week, without fail, every Thursday morning, in fact, an episode of the show goes out. It's often with guests. It sometimes is with just me and you, where I'm helping you with some facet of your business on your Training journey. Now, as I said, irrespective of what you call yourself, whether a facilitator, a coach, a trainer, a consultant, if you're working with people to help bring the best out of them through your intellectual property, your programs, again, this is the show for you. And I love what I do. And I hope that comes across every single episode because I bring on guests who feel the same way about training and development, people development, just like I do. And I'd love to hear from you to find out which guests, which speakers, which Consultants, the kinds of people that you look up to admire. I'd love to know who they are so I can have them on the show and feature them. And you can reach me via email by simply contacting me on mark at trainingbusiness.com. That's marked trainingbusiness.com. I don't outsource that to a consultant or any virtual assistant. I read emails directly, personally and I reply individually. So I said before the music that today we have a great guest on the show, her name is Olivia. Olivia runs a boot camp together with three other trainers in Berlin. I think this is a fantastic idea. Perhaps it's something that could interest you. If you can think of a couple of trainers, facilitators who would love to work with you to develop your own event, then I think this is the episode for you. Olivia, hi, welcome to the show. Thanks. You are speaking to me from Berlin this morning.
1: Yes, Berlin, Germany. That's where we are.
0: And how long have you been in Berlin?
1: Um, I've been in Berlin over 20 years. I literally came just for two, but something happened and I ended up staying. I fell in love with the place, I guess.
0: When we first spoke, you told me that you like to help people to find their voice. Um, How would you describe yourself to your clients?
1: I would say that, when you're speaking there's an inner journey and there's an outer journey the outer journey is the presentation part the uh, body language the facial expressions the voice the the stage the all the things that you can externally see and the internal journey is How do I feel about myself? How do I feel about this? What do I want them to feel? How will this happen? What is standing in my way? What are the blocks? And so I would say that I do both parts of that journey, but I always start with the internal journey. And a lot of trainers who train people to speak on stage start with the external journey and stay there and don't tread into the internal journey part. But a lot of people's blocks are their mental blocks and if we don't take them away it's like trying to build a house on shaky foundations you've got to go to the foundations and strengthen them in order for people to feel secure enough to use their own voice rather than to try to behave like an expert
0: so what what is the internal journey because most of us listening will be familiar with the 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 common uh parts of of training people to be good speakers you know voice, intonation, cadence, uh, don't stand with your hands in your pockets, all that kind of thing, which you've alluded to. What is the internal journey, the mindset then behind a successful communicator and speaker?
1: I guess I call it the athlete's mindset because if you are frightened that you're not going to be able to do it or that you're frightened that you're going to be criticized or that people are going to pick you apart, then you're going to crumble on that stage. And if like an athlete, if they're sitting on the on the starting line and they're looking at their opponents and they're saying, my God, that opponent looks really fit and really focused and I don't look as fit and I don't look as focused and maybe I didn't train that well this last week and my toe's hurting me and, you know, that person is not going to win. When you're on the starting line, you've got to put your head fully into the now and fully into the present moment like an athlete. And the thing is, with an athlete, is that if something bad happened to them on one of their athletic journeys, say, for instance, they had a bike crash or whatever, if they're a cyclist, then if they continue to hold that fear inside them, then they're going to cycle cautiously, or they're going to have anxiety. And it's the same with a speaker. If you hold something inside you from your past, a limiting belief, of course, something that you know your mum and dad said to you shut up, you who asked your opinion? Or, you know, you were bullied at school, or you felt that you weren't as good as other people, you were frightened that you were going to be found out as an imposter. I mean, my daughter's just started a a new job, for instance. And that's really difficult when you come out of university and you start a new job and you're surrounded by people that know what they're doing. And you've got to look like you know what you're doing. And we carry this through us our whole life that we've got to look like we know what we're doing. Instead of sometimes being able to say, "Well, sometimes I don't know what I know what I'm doing, but that's what this team is about. Let's team try to find out what the right solutions and answers are. And so I think that if you're afraid that you always have to know what you're doing or look like an expert, um, you lead with this veneer on you. And a really great leader or speaker, They speak and lead with their own voice. They get rid of their veneer. Now, to get rid of your veneer, you've got to be content with who you are and you've got to understand who you are and why you became who you were, how life shaped you, and what things happened to you in the past that make you think, I might not be good, they might be criticising me. And we look at those things together, me and my clients, their relationship with their siblings, their relationship with their parents, their relationships at school and growing up, and in their with our old bosses. And we try to unravel it like a big ball of knotted wool. <laughs> and we try to unravel it so that we can wind it all up again in a way where we say, I'm happy with who I am. I'm going to speak out with my own voice. And if my um, idea gets criticized, I'm going to separate me being criticized from my idea. For a lot of people, it takes quite a bit of work. So I have to get their trust. It's very intimate. It's a bit like psychiatry in a way. And we look at the hurdles and then we try to smooth them out. And when they find their own strength, they find their own voice. Does that make sense, Mark?
0: It it makes sense, yes. There's a lot more internal work than just helping clients to stand on stage and to communicate something in a structured way. Sounds like that to me.
1: Absolutely. That's like putting um, putting a plaster on a wound that is infected.
0: So tell us the story of how you became involved with Toastmasters, because that's a wonderful story, and, and the heights to which you uh, rose on the back of winning competitions.
1: This is an incredible story, and I'm going to try to tell you it very shortly. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I moved to Berlin and with the two kids and looking after the kids, I'd left the BBC and I was sort of a stay at home mum for the first time ever with the two kids. I couldn't speak German. I was lonely. I was struggling. Somebody at the German classes told me about an organisation called Toastmasters and I went along. It was in English. And when I walked in, I found my family. These people came towards me. They accepted me as I was with all my faults and foibles. Um, And it's a speaker's club. So I started to tell my stories from my past. And, of course, I have quite a damaged past myself. So I had a lot of stories to tell. And the stories were really well received. And they have these little competitions. And the club had a competition. They needed three people. And they only had two. So they said, look, would you just go into the club competition? Just tell the story you told last week. So I said, "Okay, if it helps you, I'm always for helping people. And uh, so I gave my speech and I won the competition. And then they said, well, that isn't the end of the story, actually. We now compete with all the clubs in Berlin. Oh, okay. So I did it again and I won the competition. And then it was the whole of Germany. And I did it again and won the competition. And then, of course, it was the whole of Europe. No pressure, no pressure. Excluding the UK. Uh, UK likes to be excluded from most things. uh, But on this occasion, they had their own. They were so many clubs in in the UK that they were their own district. And Europe was one district. And so I uh, gave at the district, I gave my speech and um, it won. And I thought, oh, my God, that's a real surprise. I'm now sort of the, the European champion, which I didn't expect, and I met lots of lovely people along the way. And then they said to me, you know, you now go on to the next level. I said, what next level? They said, the semifinals of the world championship. Da, da, da. And I thought, what's that? You know, because I didn't know anything about it. And so all these hardened Toastmasters, that only dream of going there, were kind of flabbergasted and said, this is what it is. And you're going to need a coach. So I said, OK. How, how do I get one of those sort of thing? And then uh, I met, who I think has been on your show, I met Florian Mook and John Zimmer. And uh, these two guys helped me. They said, look, John had been um, a, a European um, winner before, I think, or had got through to the finals, and Flo also. And they had... They'd been in Toast Mosses quite a long time. And so they took me under their wing and they introduced me to a guy called Bob Mole, who had gone through to the semifinals um, the year before. And so I got myself a coach. I trained myself up 300, 400 hours on that one speech. But I had to have two speeches, so another speech as well. I flew out to the States, um, went a week ahead, got rid of my jet lag. 2,000 people. Uh, are, are at this conference and the semi finals are all taking place in different rooms so you've got about 700 people in each room and in uh, my semi final there were eight contestants and we all delivered our speeches and a few hours later <clears throat> i found out that i had won the semi final and was going to be the first ever european Toastmaster to ever get into the actual final. I think 66,000 people enter this competition, to be honest. And so, of course, I was getting into the final and I had to give my two speeches. Um, oh, no, um, you had to give a second speech in the final one that no one had ever seen before. And had never been used for competition before, I believe, something like that. Anyway, it was nerve wracking to say the least. And I went up there in front of 2000 people and I gave my speech. And when you really give your speech, you don't retell your speech. You relive your speech. You relive it. And as you relive it, it has its own life. It takes its own time because it's an emotional uh, story. Yeah. And my emotional journey we reliving took 15 minutes longer than it should have done. Not 15 minutes, 15 seconds, sorry. 15 seconds longer than it should have done. And I was disqualified for being over time. And it's funny because all the people that were watching all around Europe who had helped me and were, were devastated and were wishing me to win and everything um and uh, for me I didn't feel like that at all I just felt like I'd had the journey the journey was amazing I didn't need the title I didn't need the trophy I had grown I had you know experienced something I had never experienced before some sort of success to me it was a success it wasn't a failure it was a big success and afterwards um there was a lot of talk about um you know the, The person that should have won was disqualified. Uh, I mean, we'll never know that situation. But I had a lot of Toastmasters approaching me, asking me to speak all over the world. And I traveled all over the world. I went to Australia and I went to the Middle East and I went to America giving my speeches. And they said when we fly, they flew me out and everything. And then they said, would you also give a workshop and a keynote speech? But I'd only had seven minutes of material. Now I had to have a keynote speech, like 45 minutes of material and a workshop. And the workshop was really telling people what I had done to work on the speech to get it to that level. And so I worked on my staff and I went round the world doing this for about, I would say it was about 18 months of doing free stuff. And every time I spoke, I put a questionnaire on the seat of everybody that was in the room and sometimes I talked in front of 250 300 people and kept it up 300 different pieces of paper and it was what was your biggest takeaway what did you like what could I have done better what what didn't you like you know and I gathered all that information together and I kept changing my keynotes and kept changing my workshops to give them more of what gave them what they needed and less of what Was showmanship that necessarily didn't give them what they needed, and bit by bit I honed the whole thing. And when we came, when I came back from the World Championship, and that was in the year two thousand, I think two thousand, sorry two thousand and eleven. It was two thousand and eleven, the year. Um, I thought it would be a great idea to put on an event for the European Toastmasters of all the people that had ever gone through to the semifinals of the world championship, the semifinals, the stage before the final. And um, so I approached them all. I didn't know them and said, look, would you like to do this event? We'll charge 50 euro and invite people along. And we did it. We had eight of us, eight of us that had, had either won Europe or I think Florian was um, hadn't uh, won Europe, but he w- had got very, very close on many occasions, and he was a brilliant speaker, should have won Europe for sure. And um, we all got together, all, all those people, and put on this course for sort of like tickets for €50, Euro, as I said. And it was a big, big success, but it was too many people, really. We had about eight people doing half an hour each, and it, it was too many. So the next year, we dropped two people, and we had six people. And then it w- and then we made it a day event. And then we realized that six was too long. And in the end, we ended up with the core four: me, Peter Zinn, John Zimmer, and Florian Mook. And every time we had one guest, and often we had like a world champion of public speaking, a winner, come and be our guest. Sometimes we had a top business speaker come and be our guest. And now we do a two-day training every year in Berlin in September. We're doing one. 2022 we did one 2021 and what's amazing about the training is that we are four trainers and only 12 participants for two days so it's incredibly intense and it's kind of life-changing and we look at the inner journey and we look at the outer journey but that was my journey
0: so this is um spectacular speaking that you're alluding to now so congratulations i know it's a uh, many years since that happened but that's a fantastic story and um I've had people talk about Toastmasters before. For people not aware, and there are some people not yet aware of the power of Toastmasters, how could that help someone who is already a trainer, already a a presenter? Um, Because not everyone actually knows the existence of Toastmasters.
1: Well, funnily enough, there's a lot of people that turn their nose up at Toastmasters. A lot of professional, professional speaker groups because they say that the Toastmasters are sort of amateurs and they're over dramatic in the way that they present and so on and so forth, because in the um, judging form, you get points for use of the stage, vocal variety, using your hands. And so everybody does all these things to get the points, which of course is a bit over the top if you're ordinarily speaking at an event. However, it's a really good training ground for anybody that's normally a piece of wood to try to get some of these skills. Um, For professional trainers, in my club, we have a lot of professional trainers. And funnily enough, they all started at Toastmasters just as an ordinary person and became professional speakers and trainers. And what's wonderful is that we can all help people in our club, and so we practice new techniques or new things on the club before we try them out on clients We can get feedback as to how we're coming across from our club before we try things out on clients. And sometimes people in the club who work for large companies and are often there because they need to speak for their job can actually bring you in. And so I would say that my first professional paid job actually came from a Toastmasters club in Switzerland who invited me to speak at the club and invited me to give a free lunch and learn talk at their company. And from that, I'm booked to speak at that company. I mean, they are one of my biggest earners. I, I won't tell you the uh, the amounts but and, and the amount of work I do for this company, but it's huge. And it all came from speaking at a Toastmaster club, somebody there working at a large company in the comms department, bringing me in for, again, a free speech. And at that point, I was like, oh, a free speech again. Uh, But from that has come a huge amount of work. So I would say, be careful which free speeches you turn down, because they're very, very useful for marketing purposes.
0: So for people not familiar with Toastmasters, it's effectively an organization which has been developed over the years to help people to maximize their communication skills, to learn them. And um, there's more to it than that, but you can find clubs all around the world. I mean, there were even one person who wrote an article recently for uh, trainingbusiness.com, Suman Care, I think there are about 30 or 40 alone uh, in her hometown city of um, Mumbai in India. There, there, there are literally thousands of these around the world, right?
1: Yeah. Dubai has 50 clubs. London has about 50 clubs. But Berlin has about um, eight clubs, I think. And um, you'll find clubs everywhere. If you look online, uh, toastmastersinternational.org, there's a a little button, find a club. And you put your address in and you can find a club nearby. And you might find lots of clubs nearby. And I visited quite a few clubs before uh, I chose my club the one that I loved the people in. Um, And at the time that I joined my club, there weren't a lot of professional uh, trainers there. But um, I I guess my club has also used my claim to fame, the first European and the only woman in the final that year uh, of the world championship. And lots of other people have come to the club. And now we have a lot of very high caliber clubs. And in London, they actually have um, advanced clubs which are full of professional speakers. And in my club, like for instance today, I got an email from one of the other professional speakers in my club just asking me, look, I've had this request for a job. Can you help me price it properly? This is the sort of company they are. And this is the sort of, they've asked me to do a 20 minute online keynote. How should I price it? And so you've got a whole wealth of people to ask stuff from. In the professional speakers world, people tend to, not share information, not share stuff, keep everything close to their chest. And, and so you feel like you're a little bit in competition with the other speakers, where if you've become a professional speaker because you've your journey's gone through Toastmasters, um, you are used to giving and sharing and helping as much as you can, even if it is sometimes I get a client and I think I know a trainer that would be better for this client than me. Then I pass the client over to them and that's pretty unusual but I want the best for my clients yeah and and my reputation lays on me making sure my client gets the best whether it comes from me or one of my colleagues
0: so if we fast forward now past Toastmasters uh, the four of you the core four let's call you that um including Floriana Flo to my with uh, with whom I've spoken Um, you have this, let's call it a collective or an event where four trainers cooperate and every single year in Berlin, you, you convene, um, you invite 12 people to your event and those people then are, they get the benefit of four different trainers over two days. Is that right so far?
1: That's right. And of course you say the benefit of four different trainers. We are all four completely different completely different. We've got the ethos, gravitas, high credibility speaker. We've got the sort of child fun, play, make everything gamified, sort of startup type of a speaker. We've got the emotional deep journey speaker. And we've got the sort of geeky techie speaker. So we've got four completely different speakers, all who show you that there's not just one way to speak.
0: And that's a great point, Olivia, because I think many people often feel I have to sound like someone else. I have, to, I have someone in mind and I've got to come across as that particular person. So we watch YouTube videos and we try and pick up these mannerisms and try and uh, emulate that person. So back to the business side of things. Wh- what is the business um, payoff then for four trainers who have obviously different interests, different uh, clients to come together in a kind of a collective and uh, work on each other's clients? over 4 days is there any vulnerability in terms of you know sharing my material and and you know giving feedback to each other what is the actual core benefit for someone who listening to this says hey that's a great idea i think i'll invite four trainers or facilitators with whom i get on and i'm going to invite them to do the same kind of thing
1: okay uh, that is a fabulous question mark because i want to talk to you about stealing money and that is not one thing i want to talk to you about stealing and i want to talk to you about money so <laughs> stealing we all love to steal each other's stuff. So when someone's got something new, I go, oh, my God, I love that. Can I steal it? And they go, oh, go on then. You can steal it. And then when I use their material, I say, I got this fantastic exercise from a friend of mine, um, and I say who they are and a little bit about them, and then I do the exercise. And they steal my stuff as well because I come from a theatre background. I used to work at the BBC, um, so I I've, I've I know a lot about um, – the voice and presenting, and so I've got lots of sort of good voice exercises that um, the boys have stolen off me, and John's got lots of um, improvisation exercises that I've stolen from him, and we love to steal each other's stuff. And sometimes I say, oh, can I steal something? And then they say, look, let's have a call about it so I can explain it to you exactly. So, you know, <laughs> they give you even more, and we just love that. There is, But what you can't steal is each other you cannot steal the experience of being with olivia you cannot steal the experience of being with florian yeah he is totally and utterly unique as i am and that cannot be stolen all the material can be stolen it doesn't matter the material is all out there to be found there is no new there is just the you in the new how you present that thing is new, but the stuff itself isn't new. So stealing, steal, 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 as long as you've got permission, um, that's a wonderful thing. And I want to talk to you about money when you talk about the business side of things. All four of us started doing this, not for business reasons, the whole journey. We started doing it for love for passion. We had something to say. We needed to say it. We realized we could help others. We helped others. We gave. We got from giving. All of it has been a journey of passion. And even now, I think that whatever we do, we do it because we really have a passion to do it. The money is always the second thing is always the second thing. So, when you say, what is the business behind 12 participants and four trainers, there isn't a lot of money in that event. However, we we all come together. They come the day before. We have a big dinner. We're like a family. We bond. One of them flies in uh, John flies in from G- Geneva and Flo flies in from Barcelona and Peter flies in from Amsterdam and they all come here to Berlin and it's like a family reunion a gathering we share stories about clients about charging things about things that went wrong or things that have gone right we give advice to each other we change the two day course bits and pieces and go through the whole thing and then we run the two-day course together, having the joy to watch each other face-to-face perform and, you know, look up like they're a, they're a sun and we're the sunflower, looking at them because they've all got so much to offer. It's just a joy to be in their, in their rays of light. And, um, and again, if you get some new ideas and new material, you see how people interact um, and of course a lot of the people on the course they go on to contact one of the trainers and say we'd like to have you on our in our company and some sometimes it's john sometimes it's pete sometimes it's flo sometimes it's me and it doesn't matter it's great that somebody gets something else from it another job from it or something um so, so people have their favorite trainers from the four and it, it that doesn't really matter so it, it's a it's a family reunion, which is why we can do it, because everybody has to fly in. They've all got to be put up. Everybody's got to be fed. We go out for a big meal, even with the participants, and that's all paid on the end of day one. And uh, it's a real bonding. It's just a journey of emotional journey, which we all love. You know, Does that make sense to you? It does.
0: It does. And I, I can see people... I can imagine people listening to this thinking, hey, that's fantastic, because most of us don't think of other trainers as allies. We, we perhaps are con- conscious of, of the, the danger, perhaps, of giving business to someone else in case the client likes them instead of us, and our clients then don't call us back. But you also told me that when training comes in that um, you can't handle, you quite happily refer this to someone else in the core four.
1: Yeah, and also outside the core four. And I've even given training to um, some of my mentees who are on their journey to become professional trainers, uh, maybe not quite there yet. Um, And if I've got a client um, that my my fee is too much, then I can't um, can't give them one of the core four because we all charge a lot, the same, you know a big amount but if i've got somebody that's got a much smaller budget i still want to help them so i say look i've got someone they're of a very good caliber um then they you know they're not one of the core four but they're very good caliber and they've got some clients and they've been in trade and they're really good and i think they'd be good for you i'd never recommend anyone i didn't think was going to be really good and um they would be less and then i give the job to someone else and i don't get a cut so i just give it to them and and both are happy. The client's happy and the other person's happy. And there's nothing more wonderful than making people happy. And I think this abundant mindset is what we all have in common at SpecSpeak. Speak. Flo will speak about it all the time. That you know, The more you give out, the more you give, the more comes back. The more you help people, even if it's for free to do someone a favor, it's amazing how many of those things have actually come back to be a paid event or a paid thing afterwards.
0: Yes, I found that too. Um, uh, Even some really juicy contracts I've had in the last 24 months have come from people who've said um, that they were contacted by someone who said, um, can you do this? And they said, either they're not available or it's not their area. But uh, I know a guy called Mark. Uh, Can I put you in touch? And it's amazing how that network of, of trainers can just help you at the time you need that help. And it's been a difficult year because of COVID, et cetera, and it could even be another difficult year next year. So every chance we get to network is is important, not just with with clients, but also with our peers. And I'm not sure many trainers value that enough because we have this conscious fear that um, if I give away too much, talk about my clients, about my pricing, about my content structure, or even share the content slides I have, I'm, I'm risking losing something. And what you and I agree on, I think, is that there's actually a lot more to be gained by sharing and giving away than than holding it to yourself and hoarding and not sharing, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, John Zimmer, one of our core four, he's brilliant at slides. And I've stolen his slides often in my presentation. Uh, obviously, I tell him, can I use that slide? Can I use that slide? And he's fine with it because there's plenty of fish in the sea. There's loads of clients. There's loads of companies. They all need help. And if you are really good at what you do, then people will want you back. But just to give an example, I teach at St. Gallen University on the uh, executive MBA in Switzerland. And I was asked, do you know anybody that could teach debating? And um, I put it out in the group and John said in the core four and John said, actually, I used to be uh, in a debating team. I can teach debating. Absolutely. And so now he's for the second year taught debating at St. Gallen. Um, and I'm still teaching uh, my my thing there. So I didn't lose that job to him. But I we both got a job there in the end. And things like that happen all the time. You go to your core team who you know the quality of. And the spectacular speaking event in Berlin keeps us being assured of the quality of each of our speakers. So we we know that we can be assured that our clients get a good referral, uh, our clients get a good trainer if we can't do it ourselves.
0: That's brilliant. Can I ask you then, as we wrap up here, um, what do you cover in that event, that two-day event? So... Are there particular modules that you feel people need? And I presume each trainer takes a different one or a a different set of modules to go through with clients.
1: Yeah. In fact, we always switch around the modules. So it's like, oh, you had storytelling last time. I want to do storytelling here. Who had use of the stage and presentation? Who had use of props, Um, openings and closings, structure, um, uh, uh, delivery, voice, uh, the inner journey. So all of these things are in the training. And what's amazing about the training is you get about five times to actually deliver and get feedback as a participant from different people. Yeah. Uh, well, from from the room, you get you get feedback from all four trainers who are watching watching you, and from all twelve part- the eleven participants. You get. I mean, not necessarily everybody gets every feedback because we've got a timing issue. Um, but everybody's asked, what, what can we give them? What did they do brilliantly? Where could they improve? So we often have professional trainers that also come on the, on the course.
0: Right. So uh, on that note, how can people find out more about, uh, you and of course about spectacular speaking, the event itself?
1: Well, me, you can go to oliviascofield.com to my website. Schofield is spelled S-C-H-O-Field. OliviaScofield.com Or if you just put Olivia Speaker, I normally come up (laughs) and my website. (laughs) That's useful. Olivia Speaker Berlin, for instance, I I will definitely come up. Um, And if you want to know more about Spectacular Speaking, though, seven tickets have gone for 2022. (laughs) So we've only got five tickets left. Um, That's spectacularspeaking.com. You can find the website, spectacularspeaking.com. And on there, you will have Florian Mook, who's ex-KPMG, amazing trainer, John Zimmer, ex-WHO, amazing trainer, Peter Zinn, ex-Interpol, and myself, ex-BBC. All of us have got over 10 years of training experience now, but we've all come from top companies and left our companies to do this job. So we bring a lot of corporate experience to it as well.
0: And people are welcome from all over the world. It's not just people in Europe. If you are in, let's say, Malaysia, India, uh, the States, people can buy tickets and attend the event as long as they're there on site in 22. Yes. Will there be an online event or an online side to this? Or can people, do people have to attend in person?
1: People have to attend in person because it's all – the only reason that we do it is for the intimacy of being together, you know. And last year we had – we gave out masks for people that wanted them, but we didn't wear masks. It's a very large venue for only 12 people and four trainers. It has a garden. We do a few things in the garden. um, and, uh, And there's enough space inside. And last year we asked for everybody to be tested before coming. Um, which is just a small, easily done thing. So everybody was tested.
0: Keeping each other safe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So we'll do that again uh, this year. In fact, um, uh, the seven, six of the people that have booked are actually coming from Germany. So that probably, even if borders close, Germany people will still be able to come. But in general, uh, in general, um, we think that by next September, um, everything will be open again. And we'll all be sorted out by then. But last year we managed to do it and the year before we managed to do it. So Corona hasn't interfered too much. It's a wonderful event. But I think we've all decided we would not do the event online because we all do online trainings. Um, We all do online trainings. But spectacular speaking is something very special and very different.
0: And it sounds wonderful. I would love to attend sometime if that's possible. I really would. We'd to. love
1: to have you Yeah, all.
0: and it's a brilliant idea. I think for people listening in summary today, um, there's a lot to be learned from from Toastmasters. Don't put your nose in the air. Um, you can meet people and those can convert into business opportunities or at least referrals. You might very likely meet other trainers. And then I think also the story of Spectacular Speaking, the idea of having a collective trusting four other trainers or more, Uh, whichever number that is for you and forming a group of people who deliver an event. And from that can come all kinds of relationships and trust. And I love the intimacy that 12 is is a fantastic number and it's not too big. It's not too small. Um, I think it's a brilliant idea and I'm really impressed with that. And I think other people listening will hopefully um, come away with loads from today's episode. I think uh, just the idea of that collective event which happens annually is just a brilliant idea. I've not heard that from anyone else. So congratulations again on your amazing success at Toastmasters. And um I I really can't wait to find out how next year's event goes.
1: Thank you, Mark. Thanks very much. And I've really enjoyed being a guest on your show
0: my sincere thanks. My huge thanks to Olivia for speaking to us live from Berlin today. I think you've got loads from this episode as listeners, and it's my pleasure to know that you find value in these episodes. So please tell other people, other trainers, other facilitators, coaches, consultants about the show because this helps to spread the news and to validate what I, Sam and James and the team do every single week in bringing you great episodes of the show. So please click subscribe. It costs absolutely nothing, nothing at all. It takes a couple of seconds and it ensures that you get the heads up as episodes come out on your podcast platform of choice. And there is of course a fresh episode every Thursday And again, next Thursday, all present episodes, past, present, future are available for you for free at no cost. So please tune in again next week. Until next time, I look forward to your company then. Keep going, keep training. Bye for now.